This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an Opportune podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show as we unpack the most important trends, technologies, and topics of consequence. They're shaping the larger oil and gas industries as well as the energy industry. So thanks again for joining us. We always appreciate y'all tapping into the uh, biggest topics here on E2B and getting some perspectives and thought leadership from the Opportune team. Before we get into today's conversation, I want to make sure you're all clued in to our previous episodes as well as have access to some important opportune resources that might give you more context as to what we're breaking down today. You can find all that information and more at opportune.com. Again, that's opportune.com. On there, you will find more episodes of E2B, as well as other pieces of content like videos, white papers, articles, etc., and more information about our solutions and services, and often some complimentary content to go along with our podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to E2B on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so just hit that subscribe button, and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations, as well as notifications when we drop new episodes. So today's episode is falling in line with a pretty recent trend where we mix up the host behind the primary mic here on the show. Today's host of the episode is going to be the one, the only, Mr. Steve Hendrickson, president of Ralph E. Davis, an opportune company. Steve, who has been a pretty consistent co-host here on the show, is going to be leading a discussion on delving into the S in ESG, in the social of environmental, social, and governance metrics, and also a larger discussion on what to expect from ESG trends and impacts in 2023. And joining us for insights is Lyndon Nakosha, director at Opportune, and Katie Rose Hurd, director at Opportune. So let's go ahead and welcome Lyndon and Katie Rose with our host, Steve Hendrickson. Steve, great to have you on, man. How you doing? And take it away. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. It's great to be back. Uh, nice to see you again and uh, hear you again. Um, before we get started, I thought it'd be nice to take a moment and uh, get hear a little bit about the background from our guests. I think they're going to offer a pretty unique perspective on the social aspects of ESG uh, in the workplace. Um, perhaps, Lyndon, you could give us a little bit of background, a little bit of your professional background. Sure. Thank you, Steve, and thanks for having us on today. Um, my name is Lyndon Nikosha, and I have been a member of Opportune for the past 10 years. And throughout that time, I've focused on a variety of areas serving clients in upstream, midstream, downstream, power and gas. Um, most recently, my work has focused really on the, the transactional and restructuring space, um, but I've also been involved and continue to work on risk management and implementing systems with with clients as well. So I've seen a bit of a bit of the spectrum and had an exposure to a variety of, of different types of clients within the oil and gas industry. Yeah, that's great. And how about you, Katie Rose? Yes. Yeah, so Katie Rose heard I have been with Opportune for almost 12 years. Um, I. Similar to Lyndon, I've kind of dabbled in different opportune service lines, um, but a majority of my time has been spent in process technology, where 
my primary my primary focus has been with midstream and downstream companies implementing both technology and business process solutions in their commercial trading organizations. Excellent. Well, it's great to have both of you on today. Um, one of the things that's gotten me real interested to hear your opinion is uh, where you all are in your professional careers. You've both been in the workplace for about 12 years, and that kind of places you, I think, in, in kind of an interesting uh, position. That is, you have been around long enough that you have uh, dealt with people that are perhaps more from my generation, um, the uh, boomers and Gen Zs, who I'm sorry, the Gen Xs, who probably brought a, uh, a certain paradigm about what the role of a, a, a job and career uh, played in their lives and how they related to that job. And then, of course, we've got, uh, you know, some folks that we're hiring today, very young, and they, we, I can see that a, um, they, they're bringing a different perspective to what they're looking for out of a job. And uh, so I think you all are in a unique position to be able to kind of look both directions and share some, kind of bridge that, share some insights. Um, before we kind of dive into that, um, we are talking about the S part of ESG, which at least from my limited understanding is really around issues like diversity, equity, and inclusion and started really with the ESG investing movement, where it was capital providers, uh, investors that were trying to influence the behavior of corporations across the environmental, social, and government space. Um, but I'm getting the sense now, and this is a question I'd like to pose to both of you, uh, Katie Rose, we can start with you. Um, do you see that uh, the this element of the social aspect is still being driven uh, by just the investors, or is it also, um, are there changing expectations on the part of employees and maybe it's a little bit more uh, bottoms up driven, if you will? So yes, as being involved in our recruiting process and interviewing um, potential new hires right out of college, a lot of the questions and interests that they have are in um, if the company is versatile and provides um, a variety of offerings, both in, you know, kind of your traditional sense of an oil and gas company, but also is that company investing their time, their efforts, the resources into renewables and has that kind of balance. Um, and as far as uh, diversity, they're also looking in diver diversity and, and leadership and what does the executive team look like and what is the management team um, composed of? And so that is something that has um, been brought to me when I'm interviewing new hires and questions that they ask. You know, and one of the things I've been curious about, because I think about uh, some, of, some of the things that you're referring to and, you know, maybe some other things like a, a change in uh, the expectations around work-life balance, especially uh, after the pandemic. And uh, sometimes I wonder, you know, th these could be issues that people are um, asking about, they're, they're curious about, you know, as you mentioned, like the diversity of uh, within the leadership of a company they might be considering joining. Do you feel that people, um, you know, is that a question now they ask and, okay, that's interesting to know, or do you see people that are making decisions about taking a job or not. Uh, maybe an offer has been made and they just say, yeah, I, I just don't think you guys uh, are, are doing the sorts of things that I think are important in, in this regard. Absolutely. I mean, COVID changed everything and it changed kind of our way of thinking about working and home life and that balance. And that's definitely a factor that plays into um, the hiring, the recruiting culture right now. And a lot of companies have taken great strides to 
adjust their mindset and adjust the culture to fit um, that need and remain competitive in the market, such as allowing flexible work days or um, work, you know, work from home policy. Um, it's, it's what companies have been doing is pretty diverse across the board, but everybody's trying to um, pivot and fit that that need, that gap that's been kind of for this new um, kind of world that we live in post-COVID. Lyndon, I was wondering if you have any thoughts about, um, how, you know, we, we're here in the oil and gas industry. And, you know, I think it's I think it's fair to say to anybody who's been in the industry, it, especially someone, uh, you know, like myself has been around for a long time. I wouldn't have called it a particularly diverse uh, workforce, uh, especially if you're at the field level or the plant level. Now, I will acknowledge that certainly has changed uh, quite a bit. Um, I'm wondering if you uh, sense that the oil and gas industry is uh, keeping up with other industries in this regard. Maybe you can highlight some of the things that you see uh, with your clients or that you're familiar with in your own career that seem to be a response to that. Sure. Um, I, I definitely think that there's progress that's being made. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's keeping up with other industries and especially in, in the U.S., but I do think that there's been progress made. Part of that, as you mentioned earlier, the, the, the beginning of ESG really being driven by by capital and investors um, coming into these companies. And that's definitely something that we've seen with clients. So I think it's it's a bit of both. There's a bit of a forced hand that kind of started this momentum. But I do think not only have I we seen, as Katie Rose is mentioning, a more of a demand from this Gen Z on <clears throat> topics and the S, You've got pressure from investors. And then the other interesting part here, which definitely is a motivator for a group of people, um, we've seen is compensation being tied to various ESG initiatives and metrics. And so I think having a combination of all those things, we're going to see some progress moving forward in the next five, 10 years. But with all things, it, it takes time and it takes people um, to being able to listen and understand and I think some of that that work is being done now, and I'm looking forward to how that shapes the industry going forward. And, you know, maybe kind of uh, putting yourself put you all on a little bit on the spot, because, uh, you know, here at, at Opportune, we've had, you know, we, we have to respond to these pressures as well. And I'm curious if, uh, if either of you have some comments, uh, perhaps Katie Rose, we'll, we'll turn it back to you. Have any comments about some of the things that uh, have happened, you know, that you're seeing as, as examples of changes that companies are making in the oil and gas business? Um, that uh, kind of addresses sort of a concern that employees and recruits might have? Well, I think like I, I said, and then like just to kind of maybe give some examples of some of the things that Opportune is doing is, you know, offering um, work from a work from home day policy, um, you know, kind of a changing the dress code policy for when you're in the office and um, bringing in lunches into the office uh, which also promotes kind of bringing people together in the middle of the day and and building and growing our culture. Um, and then also, like Lyndon said, kind of keeping up with the market with competitive salary, um, keeping our fingers on the pulse of the job market and adjusting accordingly. Okay, uh, yeah, excellent. Good. Those are really good examples. Lyndon, anything that you'd add to that? Sure, I think I, I've seen from some of our, our clients specifically creating groups within their company that are focused on certain demographics. And, and I think that that's a, a great tool in order for those people to, one, you know, have a, a common denominator, denominator amongst them, but also having a, a pathway to leadership and to voice various 
concerns that they have or not just concerns, but being able to set certain goals for themselves too and just creating that open dialogue, I think has been helpful. And I know we've seen that at um, you know various groups throughout throughout the clients that we serve. And we're doing the same thing with an opportune as well. I was just going to add that I agree with that and um, in that I, th- I think that people coming out of, you know, being hired into companies, they want to know that there's a path forward for growth and a possibility and a doorway to leadership. And so that's something that I think an opportunity we've tried to define and, and make clear and also promote within our culture. Um, but I'm seeing that also within clients as well. Mm-hmm. Right. I think uh, maybe broadening the, the question a little bit, uh, a little bit beyond the, specifically the oil and gas business, but thinking about our community at large here in Houston, um, which, you know, obviously is, is heavily um, involved in the oil business, but lots of other industries as well. I know that Opportune has recently become um, involved with the Greater Houston Partnership. And Lyndon, you, you're playing a role in that. Any things that you uh, might care to share about what the uh, what that organization is doing to try to expand so the so or, or to uh, promote these social type of issues uh, within the community or the corporate community um, in particular. Sure. Yes. Yeah. We're very excited about our um, recent joining of the Greater Houston Partnership, and I mean the organization's been around for over a hundred years. So there's there's they've already done a ton of the work before we got involved, but. Um, there's a, just a variety of different things that we're looking forward to participating with, and it's interesting in the way that it's combining, you know, economic interest of Houston with also you know, government officials and charity and community, and I'll bring that in under one house. So a couple of the things that we're really looking forward to getting involved in are they have a young professionals group, and there's a, a women leadership group as well, and various boards within energy technology that um, we're looking at, at at serving on. And the, the really cool thing about that is that you get to meet other people within in the Houston energy space, but you get to meet people outside of that too and, and getting a different perspective on that. Um, and lastly, they, they've launched last year um, the Houston Energy Transition Initiative. And that's something that we're looking forward to, you know, exploring and being involved in as well going forward. Yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for us. I think it's great for our city and for organiz- for companies like ours who, you know, we are so dependent upon um, having a a pool of talent that is willing to move to the city and, uh, you know, be folks that we can consider to be part of our team. Uh, you know, all of, all of us employers here in Houston feel the same way. And we, as we see a greater um emphasis placed by by folks, especially younger employees on these sorts of topics. I think it's not just, you know, the ability of a company to meet those, but the idea that a whole community is moving more in that direction is makes it a much more practice, attractive place for people to, to move and, and gives us access to that talent. Let's take a moment and uh, think a little bit, I think a little bit about what's coming ahead. If, you know, if there are changes on the horizon, because we, we kind of set it up and we said, well, the oil and gas business is making attempts to try to um, improve in this regard, but probably isn't a leader, uh, specifically um, maybe in the domestic oil and gas business. Um, going into 2023, um, are there things that you see that may be changing, uh, you know, continuing to improve, or perhaps you have a, a prescription for where improvement is most needed? Uh, Katie Rose, let's start with you. Well, I see um, energy companies is. You know, as well as, you know, 
our you know, service companies um, like us, like Opportune, keeping up with government relations as those keep changing and companies are trying to, our clients are trying to adapt and keeping up with the changing regulations. Um, one example, kind of the cap and trade programs that are, you know, expanding. California had one, but now they're they're spreading across other jurisdictions. Um, and so those are intended to reduce emissions and try to incentivize um, clean energy alternatives. So um, for, for companies, they're trying to keep up with that. We're trying to help our clients, you know, change and pivot and, and keep up with the ever-changing um, uh, environment. So um, that's one place where I think we can help and look forward, like try to look a little bit ahead of it um, in 2023. Linda, anything uh, you'd like to add? Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm personally very interested in seeing how this evolves in 2023 and particularly around the energy crisis in, in Europe as we go into winter. There's a lot of conversation about what that is going to look like, and um, I, I think that's going to drive some interesting conversations, and I'm hoping there'll be more transparency between the industry and government relations. I think that that will only you know, lead to, to good progress there, um, and I think it's going to drive the important conversation of energy equity. You know, What does it look like? If we're people are in a situation where prices are so high that only you know people of a certain income are able to provide heating in their house, and I, I'm I'm curious mm -hmm. to see how that that plays out, and I think it's going to drive some some good progress and hopefully spark some some interesting conversations. Right. Okay. Very good. Uh, well, I think that you know that kind of wraps up everything I was hoping to touch base on. I, I really appreciate y'all's perspective and uh, taking the time today uh, to visit with us. Um, again, this is Steve Hendrickson, at, uh, president of Ralphie Davis at Opportune, and I'm going to hand it back over to Daniel Litwin uh, for some concluding remarks. Daniel. Thanks so much, Steve. Uh, that was a very insightful conversation about the future of ESG uh, and some of the various ways that uh, you know, folks' uh, methodologies and standards for gauging and judging uh, ESG metrics will continue to evolve. You know, while ESG has become more prevalent in the last several years, I think we're still at an inflection point for how ESG is going to become a standardized way to gauge the success of a company's investments, a company's operations, and, um, you know, a, a gauge or a metric for whether or not it is worth investing in said company, right? And with that, the S side of ESG, which can often be seen as maybe more uh, hard to define or hard to measure um, success in, uh, will continue to get refocused. And so I think with conversations like these, we hopefully have a better guide path for how to uh, weigh some of those changes and make actionable plans that really keep the S and all sides of ESG as a priority into 2023. So thanks again to Steve Hendrickson, president of Ralph E. Davis, an opportune company for hosting today's episode. And thank you again to our two guests, Lyndon Nikosha, director at Opportune, and Katie Rose Hurd, director at Opportune. Lyndon, Katie Rose, and Steve, thanks to the three of y'all. And thank you to everyone for tuning in to today's episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an Opportune podcast. If you like what you heard today and you want previous episodes, or you want to make sure you don't miss out on any of our future thought-leading conversations, 
make sure that you are heading to our website, opportune.com, and make sure that you're subscribing to E2B on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Energy to Business. 